Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAfighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck on MMAfighting.com. My name is Mike Heck. Thank you for having us on, however you are doing so. And my, oh my, is there a lot going on in the sport of mixed martial arts. And I'll try to condense this... I guess like caveman style because UFC 251 is going down this Saturday on Fight Island and a lot has happened over the last five or so days already. Usman versus Burns, Burns out, test positive for COVID-19, Mazadal in versus Usman, that now headlines Saturday night's event to christen Fight Island and I am so excited for that fight and honestly I I was excited for Usman versus Burns as well from a competitive standpoint but This is a bigger fight. This is a much bigger fight. You as fans are probably much more excited about this one. And it's no disrespect to Gilbert Burns. That's just what Jorge Mazadal has done for his career and his stock and how you guys and gals all view him after that incredible 2019 campaign that he had. And I don't know about you when it comes to Fight Island. And maybe it's because the slew of fights and these four events are right around the corner or that you know, we have this massive main event coming up on Saturday, but remember the talk of Fight Island before the location was announced and our imagination started to, to run wild and we were super intrigued and, and excited about what it was going to look like, right? And then we found out it was in Abu Dhabi on Yaz Island and we were kind of like, eh, it's okay. Like, at least we get fights. But I feel like the whole island excitement has risen once again. Like, I really feel that way. And our own Guillermo Cruz is out there. He shot a pretty cool video of the stat- of the whole setup and the octagon on the beach and stuff. And it's pretty damn cool. And we have four fun fight cards coming up over the next two plus weeks. UFC 251 on Saturday. Then we have Wednesday the 15th with Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige. July 18th. Next Saturday, Davidson Figueredo versus Joseph Benavides 2 for the vacant flyweight title. And then on July 25th, we have that crazy card headlined by Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till. We'll be talking about three of those four cards in particular on this week's program. Saturday night's card is absolutely stacked. You guys know this by now. We have the three title fights. Of 
Of course, Usman versus Mazadal. Then we have Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway for the featherweight title. And we have Piotr Jan versus Jose Aldo for the vacant bantamweight title. Rest of the main card, pretty fascinating in its own right. We got Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade 2. We all know how that first fight went. Rose Namajunas had the best round of her entire mixed martial arts career. And then Jessica Andrade with that just violent slam to put that fight away and she became the champion. She would go on to, to lose to Zhang Wei Li. And I feel like the winner of this fight, especially if Rose Namajunas wins, is probably in line to fight Zhang Wei Li later on this year, maybe early 2021. Just kind of depends on how this world looks right now. And then to open things up, we have the fascinating fight between Paige Van Zandt, who, in my opinion, win or lose, this will be her last fight in the UFC. But man, what a tough task ahead of her and Amanda Hibas. And listen, if you guys are having a bad day, if you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, go to the archives of our YouTube page and watch Amanda Hebus at the virtual media day yesterday. It was just so bubbly. Like it's just gonna put you in a great mood. So that's an interesting fight as well. There's so much to talk about. So let's run down the lineup and get to our first guest. Wrapping us up, we'll talk with Grant Dawson. He's gonna be back in the Octagon next Saturday on that July 18th event. He's gonna take on Nad Naramani. And this is a fun one. It's a catch weight of 150 pounds. Grant Dawson is one of the bright and up-and-comers in a loaded featherweight division. He's been one of the bright prospects in the United States for several years. I remember the first time I interviewed him, he was like 19 or 20 years old. He was getting ready to fight for Titan FC, and the kid just had a UFC future for years and years now. He's here. He's 3-0 in the promotion, looking to make it 4-0. We'll hear from the Profits later on in the program. We're going to have some... European flavor on the program this week as we have UFC debutante Modestus Bukaskis joining us this week. As you probably know, he was the former Cage Warriors light heavyweight champion. He's just 26 years old. He's won his last six fights, finished all six of them, and he was originally scheduled to fight Vinicius Moreira on the July 15th card, which is this Wednesday, and Moreira is out. And full transparency, we had this conversation this past Friday before the opponent change was made. You don't really notice it too much in the conversation, honestly, because most of the interview is about getting signed this whole crazy year, when his debut was supposed to happen, etc. So we talk about Vinicius a little tiny bit, but for the most part, it's about Modestus and his story to get here. So you're gonna hear from Modestus Bukaskis, one of the nicest fighters that you will ever hear from. He joins us ahead of his fight with fellow newcomer, Andreas Michaelitis from Greece. So that should be a fun fight. Leon Edwards is going to join us in around 25 minutes or so to talk about everything that has happened since his scheduled main event fight with Tyron Woodley got canceled in March due to the pandemic, his thoughts on the main event this weekend, and just his overall thoughts on where he stands right now in a very interesting and quite loaded welterweight division. But first, the main event this Saturday features the BMF champion, so I thought it would be appropriate to bring on the nicest MFR champion of the UFC, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. In fact, Wonderboy was the last guy to defeat Jorge Mazadal in the UFC. Did so at UFC 217 in November of 2017. A lot of 17s in there. And this happened at Madison Square Garden. Wonderboy swept the scorecards. Mazadal had his moments, but it was a pretty one-sided win for Stephen Thompson. Plus, Mazadal said to ESPN earlier this week that if he beats Kamaru Usman this Saturday, he has this kind of a short list of potential challengers, and one of the guys on that list was Steven Thompson. So let's get his side and his perspective on everything going on for this Saturday and at 170 in general with Mr. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. 
All right, we have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson back on the show. We have a big welterweight title fight coming up on Saturday, so I figure let's bring on the very last man to defeat Jorge Masvidal before this meteoric rise up to face Kamaru Usman this Saturday. Wonderboy, how are you, man? Good to see you. Doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, man. Just living life, bro. We got summertime. We got karate camps going on. So I'm up at 8 o'clock every morning. Don't get home till about 9.30 at night. So long days for me. You know, and then... And you know, training and stuff in and around all that. So, but every feeling good, man. Ready to rock and roll. Ready for this weekend for sure. I heard uh, you, we were texting back and forth earlier. There was a fierce nerf battle going on. Is that accurate today? <laughs> that is accurate. Yeah, we had it. We had nerf wars going on at the, the karate school today. We had about 70 kids bring the nerf guns in. We put up obstacle courses. It was insane. It was insane. So how is how is everything in South Carolina overall right now? We were talking a little bit off air about how Massachusetts is looking with the restrictions being lifted and the process of getting back to normalcy, at least the best that we can. What's South yeah. Carolina like right now? It's pretty much the same at this point. You know, for the longest we were doing online classes, we were kind of stuck with that. Kind of had to be a little, you know, innovative with that. Uh, we have about 750 students, and they were still wanting to train. They couldn't come in the gym, so we just kind of weaned off of that. Uh, students are coming back into the gym. We got a 20,000 square foot facility, so we're allowed 120 people in the in the in the building, so which is great. You know, we kind of we added more classes and throughout the day to kind of thin the crowds out. So I'm more busy now than I was before all this. Uh, but everything's getting back to normal. I mean, every, everybody's ready to get back to where where things were. You know, everybody's still, uh, you know, being cautious, obviously. But uh, yeah, I man, I'm just ready for things to get back to normal. There's 750 students there. Oh yeah. Good God. Yeah, man, that's 750 amazing. students. Most of them are kids, man. We got them as young as three. I think our oldest is in their is in her 70s. Still training, man. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. never too old. Never too old. That is amazing. So, as you know by now, Stephen, this is your division. Gilbert Burns was supposed to fight for the belt this Saturday, UFC 251. He's removed due to a positive COVID test, and it seemed like. The UFC was just going to rebook this thing for August, maybe September. That, of course, wasn't the plan at all because discussions with Mazadal were already underway when we found out this news. And we know Mazadal is as game as they come and he'll fight every he'll fight absolutely anybody. But with everything that's been happening with Mazadal talking about contracts, fighter pay, etc., a global freaking pandemic. Were you surprised yeah. the UFC pulled this rabbit out of their head at the 11th hour? Uh, was I surprised? No, man. Like I, I knew I figured you know, you see, you see Masvidal on, on social media, the guy's training. He was ready for something like this. You know, he was ready for something like this. I kind of had a feeling that it was kind of, something was going to go down and, you know, Masvidal was going to have to step up and, 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 and face him. But, uh, that's what they call him game bread, man. The guy's ready at all times. You know, uh, of course everybody's saying it is a last minute thing, but the guy's been going through a training game. He's in, he's in shape. He's confident. And uh, that's a big thing going into a fight like this. You know, it's confidence. And, and uh, he's got a lot of it, especially after his last few fights, you know, knocked out Darren Till, Ben Askren, you know, TKO, Nate Diaz for the BMF belt. Um, and I would rather see this fight than the Burns fight, to be honest. I would rather, I think this is more exciting. There's more beef. I think everybody in the division, except for me, has beef with this guy. You know, Leon <laughs> Edwards. Leon Edwards, you know, the three-piece in Minnesota. Of course, Colby Covington, you know, um, you know, Usman, they about duked it out at, at – I forgot where it was. But, Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl. That's right. So the guy's got beef with everybody. 
and but we have history, me and him. You know, he's the BMF, I'm the NMF. We fought. That was his last loss. So I, I at this moment, especially after what he said in the Arahwani interview, how he would like to f- defend the title against me, I'm rooting for him to win. You know, <laughs> for him to win, obviously it would be a faster, faster uh, road to the title for me. You know, either way, I'm not giving up on it. Um, it's going to be a scrappy fight for sure. You know, Mazudal definitely has the advantage in the stand-up area. Uh, he's faced some really good guys in division, good grapplers such as Dami Amaya. Um, he, uh, you know, he he, uh, and that was controversial. You know, that was a controversial loss. You know, I think Dami Amaya had his back for a long period of time, but usually when Dami Amaya takes your back, it's over. You know, so we he fended him off with the best grapple in the division. Um, so he's very he's been training with Bo Nichols, three time Division One All American. Um, so he's prepared, man. He's prepared himself. So I'm, I'm looking to see hopefully, uh, just a barn burner this Saturday between these two guys. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. And, uh, your fight with Mazadal, it was November, 2017, Madison square garden, UFC 217, you get a unanimous decision. And let's be honest, Steven, the fight wasn't even really a close fight. Like you won all three rounds. You even got a 10, eight round in the third from one of the judges and, while you were dominant, and you ended up breaking your thumbs in that fight as well, but Mazadal is a different kind of cat, no doubt about it. What were you What were you able to take away from that fight and sharing the cage with a guy like Mazadal for 15 minutes like that? Well, you're not going to break his spirit out there. Normally, you'll see guys fade, especially when they're getting pieced up. You know, He's very good at taking damage. Like whatever, After every fight, you don't really see Mazadal messed up. I don't remember. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him with a cut, you know. I've never seen the guy banged up. He takes damage very, very well. And you can't break his spirits out there. And that's the thing. That's going to be a big part in this fight. You know, first two or three rounds, he may get taken down every round. But but he's going to go out there with the same tenacity, the same intensity as he did the first round in the fifth round. And that's how that's how Masvidal is. And he's got high-level striking. You know, he's, he's very good at adapting to opponents mid-fight, which is very rare. Most guys out there you know even at the highest level they don't go out there and and try and figure their opponent out or make changes they just stick to the game plan you know but with high level fighters they they're able to uh to adapt mid-fight and he can make those adjustments um which is which is a scary you know makes for a scary fighter for sure now uzman on the other hand you know he does one thing very very well, and that's his wrestling. He's 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 aggressive. He's got a tank, a gas tank for days, and um, you know he's very good at not winning from his game plan. He's a, you know he's a high level wrestler, obviously you know MMA wrestler I think. And um, is he going to stand there and bang like he did with Colby Covington? No, not a chance. If he if he does, then you know I would be very surprised. But normally when he fights guys like Masvidal, he's going straight for the takedown and just tries to tries to lay on him, control him on the ground, maybe get some a few shots in in here and there. But it could be a, a boring fight, but he's he's good at it. A win's a win. That's all it comes exactly. down to. Get that exactly. get that extra paycheck. Is uh that fight with, with Masvidal is your first fight in a year that wasn't with Tyron Woodley. So it was a little bit of a change of pace for you, change of style as well. Anything did anything really surprise you in the Mazadal fight? Because, I mean, you looked really good. You, you had to kind of overcome some adversity to keep on going and have the performance that you had with the injuries. But did anything from Mazadal surprise you at all? 
Not at all. None, not at all. I mean, you know, he came the uh, first two rounds, you know, kind of stood in front of me. I knew he had to knock me out in the third. So I knew he was going to come out a little more aggressive. Um, but nothing, nothing really surprised me. Everything we prepared for in the gym, he did exactly what we thought he was going to do. I know when he's getting pieced up, he'll, he'll shoot every now and then. I think he tried to take me down or maybe once or twice or, or acted like it. I don't see him doing that to Usman. He's going to try and keep the fight standing. But, you know, I, I fight high-level guys, strikers, on a daily basis, you know, at our gym. You know, I bring guys in. I go up to law MMA, train with Chris Weidman, especially when it comes to the wrestling and striking. Um, you know, I got, you know, guys in my gym, Carl Reed, you know, John Sweeney, uh, my brothers, who are, high, who are very good strikers as well. You know, you don't really see a whole lot of new stuff when you're used to sparring guys like this, you know, on a daily basis. So nothing really surprised me. Just the fact that, you know, uh, his, his attitude during the whole fight was the same. He's going to try and rip your head off. And most people when you're out there and, and, and they're getting dominated, they're getting beat. You see them that their confidence level drop, you know, slowly, but surely he wasn't that way, you know? And that's, uh, that means you got to be on point at every second during the fight when you fight this guy. Because anything can happen, and I think now, seeing his last few fights, he's he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. You know, he he does uh, he does more uh, he does things that you that you just wouldn't expect him to do, and I think that's why he's landing these shots. You know, when he knocked out Darren Till, you know that left hand came out of nowhere. The, of course, the flying knee heard around the world. That nobody saw that coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's a smart guy. Um, so not only does he have confidence, he's got good striking, and now he's throwing things that you just don't see coming. And that's 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 uh hard to prepare for, for sure. And now he's got this like newfound superstardom surrounding him as well. Like oh. you know, you mentioned the till and the Diaz wins, and of course the the five second knockout of Ben Askren. I mean, he had after taking an entire year off after your fight, he had one of the most impactful years in the history of the sport. Ever. Like as as a fighter and as a guy who who watches all the fights, you're a fan as well, to watch what Mazadal did last year to break through after all these years in the sport. I mean, he's been fighting since 2003 and to yeah. become one of the biggest stars in the sport. What has that been like for you? I think that's awesome. That's inspirational to me. I, I love that. I love to see a guy like that. And not a whole lot of people love to give, give you know, praise to a guy like that, but he deserves it 100%. You know, and it gives me confidence knowing that I was his last lock, but lost, lost. Now he's ranked higher than me. Now he's one of the most popular guys in the UFC. He's got 49 fights and finally gets a title shot. You know, he deserves every bit of it. And uh, and he's not he's not a fake guy. You know, what you get is what you get with him. A lot of guys in the division, especially my division, you you, you see them talking crap and it's just fake. You know, you know, I think you know who I'm talking about, Colby Covington. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, what you get, he's like Diaz, you know, he, that's him. And I can appreciate that. You know, I respect that. Um, he doesn't change for anybody. And I think that's cool. I think he deserves every bit of it. It's inspirational, man. I know that, hey, maybe with a few good fights with me, you know, I can get there, you know. So I think it's great. It, it seemed to me like with Mazadal back then, he would fight because, you know, he's a fighter. But it seemed like in a way – he almost like fell out of love with the sport and like everything yeah. that was attached to it. Like he took that time, went on that reality show, and then that wall sort of came down for him. He began to see things very clearly. And martial arts has been a part of your entire life. You talked about how it's been through your family, your brothers, so forth and so on, your dad. 
but being in the sport with the swings of it all, has there ever been a point like in your career where you were like, why am I doing this? I'm just oh, not yeah. in it anymore. And for me, I was kind of blessed when, when, when it actually happened. I have been fighting since I was 15 years old, had my first full contact fight. <clears throat> and in the kickboxing world, it was, you know, you fight very consistently almost every weekend. There's always a kickboxing tournament going on. We were traveling all around, over all over the world competing. And it got to the point where I was just tired of it, man. I was burnt out. And uh, I really didn't know how to tell my dad. You know, he's been with me every step of the way, and I didn't want to disappoint him. And I was fighting in the World Combat League at the time, fighting a guy named Raymond Daniels. And I ended up tearing every ligament in my left leg. And like I said, it happened at a great time because I was out for three years, you know, with the knee injury and had to have several never, several surgeries on it. It kind of rekindled that flame. And I think a lot had to do with my doctor telling me I would never fight again. That's what he told me, you know. And, you know, when people tell me that I can't do things, it kind of pisses me off a little bit you know yeah i get pissed off guys wow from time to time. <laughs> i can't believe i heard that word come out of your mouth <laughs> certain things but yeah man it kind of rekindled that flame and and um i did i didn't have to i didn't have to thank goodness i didn't have to tell my dad i didn't want to do it you know because i had rekindled that flame i was training with new people training with high level guys like gsp and you know they were kind of my inspiration to switch from kickboxing to mma and Man, I, I've been, you know, I've been great ever since. I've, I've been in love with the game, in love with uh, the, the, uh, you know, I guess the the competition since then, right? And uh, of course, you you got your ups and your downs, but then it also plays. It has you have to you have to keep a good circle of people around you to keep you focused, to keep you to keep that flame going as well. And I got a great team around me. And I think your approach to the game helps with that as well. Cause like, you know, you're, you are a fighter, you're in the UFC, you're in the biggest MMA prom promotion in the world, but like, you don't have to do this. Like you do it for you. Like, this is just fun for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, you know, the money's a bonus. The money's just a bonus. I, I just love to compete. Of course it's, it gets to the point where it's like, you know, you get all the, the, the emotions when it comes into camp, you know, the stressful, um, moments during camp you get you get nervous before the fight and you you do sometimes ask yourself like what the heck why am i doing this man you know before, right before you walk out but then after every fight either your hands are raised or they're not you realize man this is why i'm doing it man you know just to, to hear the love of the crowd the the, the the competitiveness of of the sport of our sport and it's not like any other sport it's not like baseball or hockey or or basketball when you can hide yourself or you know in the team it's just you and your opponent. There's no hiding in this sport, you know. Um, you know, my brother Tony played college football, and he, you know, competed after it. And he said, "There's nothing like it." You know, I would get nervous before a football game, but there's nothing like just you and one other guy and everybody watching, all the eyes on you. And it's that adrenaline rush that you get. And that's, I think, that's why you see a lot of these guys that retire. They can't stay retired. They miss it too much, you know. So that's why I want to do this as long as my body will let me. So that way, whenever I do retire at the age of 60, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll have no regrets, you know. Does your dad know that story now that you almost you were almost done? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, at, the, at that time, he knows it now. And 
of course, you know, he gives me the dad talk. Listen, man, you know, if you don't ever want to do this again, now it's more more frequent, you know, after a fight or before a camp. Hey, man, I don't want you to feel like you got to do this for me. If you know, if you're in love with it, let's do it. If not, don't no worries, man. I still love you. So, you know, Pops is being Pops, but he knows now for sure. That's amazing. A couple more things for let you go. I appreciate yes, your time today. Um, I know you're not like a big prediction guy. You're not, uh, you know, you'll be rooting. You're publicly just said you're rooting for Mazadal just because of what he said. But let's just say analytics perspective. Do you have a, an official Wonder Boy lean here on Saturday night? Usman. Uh, I, I I find Usman. He's the bigger opponent. He's the stronger opponent. You know, Mazadal was eating a pizza. I think on the flight this week, on the way from, from what I saw on Instagram. You know, on the way to the venue. So, you know, he was normal, naturally a 155er, but just the pressure of Usman and the relentlessness of Usman is going to be very difficult to deal with. You know, he's very hard to stray, to get to stray from his game plan. He sticks to it, right? And he's got this grind about him that's just unbeatable in this, in this, in this division, which is why he's champion. And you see him do this to opponent after opponent after opponent. So, I'm, I mean, I'm leaning towards Usman, but I want Masvidal to win, if that's fair to say. Professionally, you want Masvidal Profe- to win. Okay, yeah, yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have, how can you not say that? <laughs> <laughs> the guy said your name in an interview that, like, almost a million people have watched. Of course you're going to want him to win. Happen. <laughs> and, and the way the way he, and the way he's been finishing dudes, man, you never know. You know, like, on paper, Askren wins every time, right? But you saw what happens. Nobody thought that in in a million years would he pull that off in five seconds. So he's, you know, it could happen this time. You never know. I think Mazadal's like takedown defense game, supremely underrated. Oh, oh, a hundred percent. I think he's got like, I think it's like 85%. You know, I think his takedown defense is like 85% and man, it's, it's very, very, very good. Like I said, when, when you can fend off Damian Maya in back position and not get submitted, your ground game is very underestimated for sure. Underrated. So you'll be watching on Saturday night. Let's let's oh, talk yeah. about you briefly before we let you go. How's uh is that itch coming back right now? Are oh we, man. Uh, are we talking about it? It's well we're not talking about it. We don't know who yet. You know, I'm ranked number six. Got pushed back after the Tyron Woodley and Gilbert Burns fight. Still looking to, uh, to fight for the title. Don't know who yet because that you know there was a lot of guys in the top five that had fights. You know, obviously Tyron, obviously Burns, uh, Leon Edwards has got some I guess personal things going on up in uh, uh, where he's at, which is why I think they came to him to fight him first to fight, yep. um, and he just couldn't do it. So not really sure what's going on there. But keeping my fingers crossed for this fight, hopefully Mazidal wins. We'll get a fight here pretty soon. If I got to fight one more guy before that, so be it. But um, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking ahead. You know, my last guy that I fought, I think he was, you know, Luke. He was either ranked 12 or 14th. I'm not looking to fight a guy back there at this point. You know, in my career, you know, uh, I'm not getting any any younger. So um, I got a small window. Can I do kind of do what I want to do with where I'm going, and that's towards the title i spoke with leon right before i talked to you he's saying august september he wants to come back so maybe you oh, know maybe. maybe you never know yeah, especially if <laughs> wins you know he can know. have a little something something here I but know uh, i know leon edwards is a scary guy man he's very good everywhere he's improving his ground ground game tremendously so that would be an exciting fight for sure absolutely you're the man steven i know we got nerf battles to prepare for you gotta you gotta show these kids who's boss at that's right karate, man. Yeah, that's right 
No mercy with these kids. No <laughs> mercy. Well, well always a pleasure talking with you, my friend. Absolutely. I think you brighten all of our spirits as always. And it's, uh, you know, it was fascinating to get your insight on this big fight on Saturday night. Thanks again. We'll definitely talk soon, man. Anytime, brother. You have a good one. Always enjoy talking to Mr. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and really enjoyed the perspective that he had on the fight and competing in a cage with Mazadal, where he stands in the division, so forth and so on. And like you said, he's he's a huge Jorge Mazadal fan right now. When you have the kind of clout that Mazadal has right now, and he wins, like if he beats Kamara Usman and he has all that kind of power right now, Wonderboy could very well be in that mix if Gamebred does get the win on Saturday. But looking forward to seeing what's next for Steven Thompson back in the back in the octagon, whether it's for the title or on the way potentially back to the title. But speaking of the welterweight division, a question I see posed all the time when it comes to 170 pounds in the UFC, whether it's just on Twitter, people hitting me up, or you know, just responses on articles written about the division. What about Leon Edwards? Or where is Leon Edwards? Well, he's right here on what the heck. So let's check in with the surging number four welterweight in the world, Leon Rocky Edwards. All right, we have Leon Edwards joining the show, the number four ranked welterweight in the world. A lot going on at 170 pounds these days, so I wanted to get Rocky on the show to discuss things from his perspective. Leon, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm very well. Um, been chilling, enjoying quarantine as much as possible. <laughs> there you go. I mean, what a what a wild few months it's been for all of us, but especially for you. I mean, let's let's go back to March because you were supposed to fight Tyron Woodley before this pandemic really started to take shape, and this was a a huge opportunity for you in a headliner spot in London. And you know, I know all of this was out of your control, but how disappointing was that for you to to not get that fight after going through a training camp and the whole build up and all that stuff. It, it was it was heartbreaking. Um, that's probably the best way to, to describe it. And to have an opportunity to headline my my home country, that's like one of my dreams. You know what I mean? So to have it taken away from me um, within a week of the fight, um, it, it was very devastating. But here's what it is: nothing it could do. Um, corona took over and <laughs> shut everything down. So it's all good. And they tried to they tried to salvage that fight in some way around the same time frame, right? I mean, it probably wouldn't have happened anyways, but. You know, you you have other things going on. Like you're not just a fighter. You're you know, you and your team are parents and have other things going on. So it was almost impossible to get this thing done, even if they were yeah. to pull a rabbit out of the hat, right? Yeah, for sure. They, um, could it, there was the there was ah, uh, let's go to London um, on the Sunday, the same day. So the following Sunday, um, at like nine o'clock, nine a.m., saying ah, uh, the fight's been cancelled, and you need to get to London. For me, from from here to London is two hours. Right, so they said, "Oh, you fly, you fly at eleven o'clock." <laughs> I was like, "What? That's not even possible for me to get to London, get my team together, get to London in two hours, and and to to fly." You know what I mean? And um, so I'm happy I didn't go to London because on on the Monday or the Tuesday, um, the fight cancelled anyway. So I would have been stuck in America somewhere um, with no fight and don't know if I could come back to, into the UK or not. So it worked out for the best, probably. Yeah, I agree with that. What what has life been like for you since then? Like, I know you're still training, still getting some work in, however you could do so. But you know, how have you dealt with all of this since the card was postponed? Um, I've just been trying to stay active. Um, I've been getting my coaches to my come to my house, do like pad work, um, um, strength, strength conditioning, got like, like a little gym set up. Um, that's what I did really, as far as training goes. Um, apart from that, I've been chilling with my family and spending time with my family and, and enjoying family time really. 
Gilbert Burns ended up stepping in and getting that fight with Tyron Woodley, and he dominated the former champion for five rounds and then earned himself a title shot to boot. What was that like for you, the original opponent for Tyron, to, to watch that all play out? I was watching thinking, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> 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 I, I knew that, that was going to happen. You know what I mean? I knew leading up to London that I was, was going to dominate him. You know what I mean? And to see Gilbert go out there and, and basically did what I, what I was going to do plus worse. I was, I was going to do worse to him. Um, it was, like I said, it's just heartbreaking, isn't it? Because I, I know I would have done that plus more. You know what I mean? So it, it, took, my, it took my work and um, is what it is. Of course, UFC 251 is going down on Saturday. It's Kamara Usman now defending against your good buddy, Jorge Mazadal. And Burns was, you know, he was in that slot, but report, reports came out that before Burns was the guy, and I think you confirmed it yourself on Twitter, that the UFC called you to take that fight before Burns was actually slotted in there. Can you can you talk about what happened there with the call and why it didn't ultimately come together? Um, So the phone, if you know, phone if, give me four weeks notice, right? Um, but I haven't trained since... Um, since March, so the the farmer said, I could could I could I be ready if, um to fight Kamara in eleventh of July, but it, it wouldn't tell me where it was at the time. So I did, I don't know if it was America or where it was because it's far island and um so they found me. But obviously, I, I suppose my coaches they said oh, it's basically impossible for me to get into the gym and to get training partners and and to have like a short camp. You know what I mean? So it wasn't impossible. It was it was impossible now for 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 me to have the fight. But here's what it is. Um. Then get Burns opportunity, um, then he got ill. This little coronavirus been fucking fucking up everything. It's unbelievable. Fucking everything, but it's all good. Um, I, I'm watching this weekend closely, and I, I'd love to fight the winner of um, um, Eva Man. Cause I got history of both men, right? So I, I'd love to fight um, Eva Man. Because you've been like you've been on such a tear in this division. You've won eight in a row. You dominated Rafael dos Andres in your last fight. I mean, you want that title. And what's interesting about you is like any show I've been on or any show that I've hosted, everyone will say like Leon Edwards is like the most forgotten piece to this welterweight puzzle. But in like the most respectful way possible, was that opportunity to fight Usman on the island? I mean, you didn't even know where it was, but was that kind of a tough pill to swallow to just? have to turn that yeah, down or just one of those you know everything happens for a reason type yeah. things it, it was hard I was trying to come from the coaches like there's no way we can get like a cat like a little camp together and to, to do it and uh, no, nobody was willing to risk the gym you know what I mean because if you do get caught training in the gym you get a big fine and shit and um, it, it was impossible to, to, to do it so it was a, a tough pill to swallow but I, I truly believe I'll fight for the world title this year um, so is it is. We'll, we'll, we we pass on July, but we'll we'll get that down the line. If watching Gilbert Burns fight Tyron Woodley stung a little bit, I'm sure seeing Jorge <laughs> Mazadal fight for the title on Saturday that's that's, that's yeah, gonna that's, suck for you, is it not? That's like another one as well. You know what I mean? It's, well, is it is. He got the he's been preparing though for Usman for the last two to three two to three months, right? Because he was meant to fight Usman anyway in, in in July. So I think Usman is going in there. Uh, probably less prepared, probably because he's been preparing for two people, which Masters are preparing for one person. So it'll be an interesting night of, of fights to see how, how it plays out. I spoke with Colby Covington the other day, and he believes that Kamar Usman is going to quote ragdoll and body bag Jorge Mazda on Saturday night. How do you see <laughs> that fight playing out? Do you agree with Colby, or do you think it's a much more competitive uh, fight than he thinks? Mm, I think he's got like a puncher's puncher's chance. Um, I think the, the more technical, um, better fighter is Usman. Um, he he got better wrestling. He's bigger, stronger, better cardio. So 
I think Usman should get it done. Um, but like I said, Masvidal got punches chance, right? He can come out there and like, look, 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 look what he did to Ben. Even though Usman and Ben are two different people, but it, you never know. In terms of your title aspirations, because you said you'd love to fight the winner, and I think a lot of people would love to see that happen, but I think the way it's kind of kind of looks right now, and I don't know what I'm talking about, but if Usman yeah. wins, they'll probably go back to Burns, and if Masvidal wins, it likely becomes a circus at 170 pounds. At least yeah. that's my take on it. Are you hoping for like your future's sake that a certain guy wins on Saturday to, I guess, make your path to the title a little bit shorter? Um, yeah, I'll probably like Usman to win, like you said, because Masvidal wins calling out fucking... Diaz is calling out um, Thompson, like random people that's not even in the top five. You know what I mean? So you can't imagine if he does win the bout, what 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 is going to do with it? So probably if Usman win, I I I feel that I will I'll profile Usman um, over Burns because like I said, I it was my fight first, and we both got um, held back because of coronavirus. You know what I mean? So why not put me in there? We got history. Um, I'm, I'm on the most fighting streak in in the division, so let's let's slide me in there and go go from there. Have you and your team been told that that you know one way or the other that you're next in line? Do you know how that's going to play out at this point? Um, a little bit. I think everyone's waiting to see what happens in the weekend. Though I think that, that, that's that's what basically I've heard from the UFC. They're trying to see what happens this weekend. Um, then go from there in the division because the division now has been stuck now for a while, right? So it's good to get a little bit of flow and let's see what happens this weekend and go. We'll go from there. I mean, you certainly have the resume for a title shot. You have the long winning streak. It's super impressive. So. What's like your realistic mindset right now with getting to the belt? Are you prepared to fight once more, twice more, or like how do you think it realistically yeah. will play out? Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I, I, I see them coming back, probably saying, "Uh, if you, you and Gilbert want to fight, um, one fight for the title, why not you fight each other for number one contender spot and then fight for the title?" You know what I mean? Like, I, I can see that happening. Oh, I can see like me getting tall shot straight away, or vice versa. Um, so, uh, what, what I think they'll do, they'll probably try to come with like one more, probably before the title shot, um, and then go from there. But I'll, I'll, I'll be up for that if it's, if it's guaranteed title shot next. Who would make? I mean, Burns seems very likely. I think that actually makes a, a whole lot of sense. It obviously yeah. depends on who wins on Saturday night. But you know, there's Colby there, but he is who he is, so that might be a tough one to get. There's Woodley, but that's he's lost two straight at this point. There's Wonder Boys coming off a good win in his last fight. What actually excites you in this division outside of fighting for the title right now? The number one contender spot, right? Which is um, the Brazilian. So pro, 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 probably, yeah, probably he's number one. He's ranked number one. He dominated the guy. I'm meant to dominate, so that's probably um, probably him. Probably. Are you willing to take a different fight if it's offered to you? As long, but it has to have the attachment of a title shot after, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah, 100%. It has to be in contract that I'm, I'm guaranteed a title shot. There's no way I'm going 9, 10 fights without fighting for the title. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, anyone above me, really, Kobe, um, I don't like him. He's, I think he's a little weasel, so um, he, he'd be a good fight as well. Um, yeah, anyone, anyone above me, really, any, any of them two above me can get the smoke. So, either, either or. What's so weird to me, Leon, and I don't know if you've seen this, but I'm I'm a storyline guy when it comes to fights. Like I look for storylines in every card to just yeah. be a positive thinker. I can't believe more people aren't throwing their you know their persistence towards you fighting Mazadal. Like there's such a story there. Like how does everybody not want to see this fight? I don't understand it. I don't know. It's bad because even when it, when it happened, I was like calling for the fight, but Mazadal was like, oh, I don't want to fight. Blah blah blah, and talking shit. You know, what I mean, it's a, it is a weird thing. Like I said, I love storylines, and it's a perfect. Build up. I want. I want to kill him. He wants to kill me, and that, that's it. You know what I mean? It's a perfect line to to have a, have a big fight. So 
let's see what happens this weekend. If he doesn't get the win, let's see how it acts and how he goes on. Why do you think he doesn't say your name in this list of guys? He, he, the man is a weirdo. I think he knows that. Um, he knows I'll be him. You know what I mean? I think it's the same with Usman as well. So he, he knows Usman is going to be him. It's going to be a top five for him. I think he's, you call that Nate Diaz and Wonder Boys, that all strikers and all like past it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Like Wonder Boy got knocked out by a lightweight. And Diaz is, Diaz is Diaz. You know what I mean? He's durable, but he's not, no world, he's not a world champion. Everyone knows that. You know what I mean? And that's his facts. When are you thinking time frame wise that you'd like to get back? Like there's obviously a lot of factors in play for sure, but if we're up to, if we're up to you, when would you like to get back in there and fight again? Late August, early September. I know they're going back I heard they're going back to Abu Dhabi in September, I'm hearing. So probably, probably do that probably. Can you fly to the States at all and come back? Like, what's that like? Because I know Dan Hooker had didn't have a lot of issues going there, but he had a quarantine for fourteen days once he got back. He yeah. couldn't be around yeah. his kids or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I think. I don't know. I think we should be able to fly to the states, but I think we'll quarantine when we won't get back. Um, for like Dan Hooker, like it, like what, like what he did. Um, but I think we can go. I think I don't, I don't know, but I think we can go to the states. All right. Well, there's some. There's a lot of cards filling up, so it won't like. Yeah. There's plenty of slots, and who who would want Leon Edwards to slot on one of these cards? But uh, exactly. one of the things that you've been doing, and I was talking to your team about this a little bit, is that you've been raising awareness for the Black Lives Matter movement, and it's been a crazy year here in the United States with the pandemic, and then on top of that, you had the police brutality, racial inequality, and. I guess that message of hope is is starting to get displayed around the world. And we've seen folks like yourself, Israel Adesanya, John Jones, Devin Clark, and others do their part, use the, the platform, you know, for this movement, which should be very much commended. And I think we can both agree that we are a ways away from getting to where we need to be. But what is what is the, the, the movement been like over these last several weeks in your neck of the woods? Um, prob- Probably the same in America. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, probably, probably the same. Like, like in the states, we've been um, protesting, marching, and trying our best to to, to do it in a positive way. You know what I mean? And, and to shed light on the on the, on the situation, what's going on in the world um, for black for black minorities. You know what I mean? So, um, we, we've been trying, <laughs> we've been pushing it, but we've been doing it for for many many years. And so let's let, let's see. And I've also been uh, started a charity as well with um, me, Darren Till, and um, Jimmy Manua. For knife crimes, because especially in the U- we got like a big oh, knife yeah. crime in the UK, so um, we're looking to start charity um, at, at the moment. And so I've been focusing my time on that, and um, also helping with the Black Lives Matter movement as well. So you've been able to to keep busy and, and do that. How, how how far away do you think from the the charity being officially launched at this point? Um, well, we're, we're in talks now with um with politicians and stuff, and so it's it's, it's close. It's not it's not far away. You know, what I mean, I know down getting ready for a fight, so probably. Right. We're kind of, kind of waiting for him as well, but um, apart from that, it, it, it's good because this deal was like a big close to my heart. You know, I mean, my friend got killed like literally two weeks ago. He got stabbed, oh, got, got stabbed and died um two weeks ago, and so this is one of the one of my main focus right now is to try and push that and try and help that and try and bring um, awareness um, around knife crime in the UK as well because it's a <laughs> it's a big big thing, man. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Has uh, has things improved at all over the last several weeks, or are we still kind of at square one here with the knife crimes? Um, it's improving as far as like getting the charges sorted and what we need to do and what what we what what we got planned and who we need to connect with. 
um, it's improving that way and it's moving forward in that way. But we haven't really made no, like I said, no big um, difference yet because we're just starting out and we're just trying to see what's the best option and the best ways to go about it. I have a, a seven-year-old who's playing right across the room here. And my message to him about this chaotic world that we live in is just be nice. Treat people the way you want to be treated. I mean, it's cliche as hell, but, you know, he doesn't understand what is happening out there right now. So yeah. what do we all need to do better, in your opinion, to try and make sure that things like we're experiencing in our different parts of the world yeah. maybe not don't happen again? Because I think that's impossible yeah. to say, but at least not happen as often as they are now. Okay. Um, it's probably the same as you because I'm in the same situation as you. I got seven years, seven years as well. I'm a little boy. Um, so same thing really is trying to be treat people how you want to be treated. Um, respect everybody. That's I think martial arts is good because it it teaches you all this. You know what I mean? To re- respect different races, different sizes, no matter what what a person is, you respect them. You treat you treat them nice and how you want to be treated as a person and. And that's it. I think all that start and the parents as well. That starts from home as well, right? You put that into your kid. Um, so when it does go into the world, um, when it, when it goes, it goes into the world, you can be a better human being and be a better man and uh, or a better woman. You know what I mean? So that starts at home and um, in 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 the gym to carry that on. How is your seven year old dealing with the quarantine life? Is he losing his <laughs> mind like mine is? Yeah, he, he's loving it. He's playing like Fortnite and <laughs> <laughs> he's like. He's loving it. Um, no school or nothing, so he's all right. He's all good. But just keeping busy and trying to do stuff with him is hard. Yeah. The kids are for days, and they never, they never get tired, so it's all good. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for my kid to get back to school, uh, man. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's like having two full-time jobs, man. Like, uh, it's hard work. It, it's, it's great, work. though. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it, but it's, it's like I said, I got too much energy. So we want to chill to like, oh, let's do something. So but it's all good. I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> You know, it's 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 got to be tough, like speaking out about some of these things right now, because I know just seeing from YouTube comments from people when I've spoken with guys like Devin Clark and Kama Worthy and others. And we talked about this. People complain about it like and I can't really understand why they feel that way. But especially in the MMA space, fans can be really fickle and difficult sometimes. Does it make it a little more difficult to speak your mind about some of these subjects because of how people react to these different things? Nah, not at all. But right, right is right, right. So, oh yeah, like, like right is right, like wrong is wrong, and that's that's it. It doesn't matter. Um, like for me, I, I don't really care about fans like agreeing with me or not. Like, I want I want a better world for my son to grow up in. I don't want, I don't want to go through the same things I'm going through, or what other black men are going through. Um, in, in, in the world, you know what I mean? When when he's like my 28, 30, and and and, and, a, and a grown man. So if I can do anything to change one person's life or one pe- one person's way of thinking for it to be a better, a better world for my son, then that's what I'll do and uh, that's what I'll keep doing. I appreciate you sharing all this, Leon. Uh, last thing for me before I let you go, I know you've been running through interviews for the last no. like couple hours here, but uh, you know, no, although... For the best one. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. You know, we just, we're shooting the breeze here, Leon. That's what it's all about. It's been a while. The last time I spoke with you, actually, now that I think about it, is right before the Cerrone fight. We did like yeah. a phone interview and I probably blended in with like 20 other interviews in that day as well. That's probably the best one, man, for sure. You yeah, actually like good topics and good, good conversations. So all good. There we go. So w- when we talk about like this road to the title, because it, it hasn't been ideal to say the least, no. but once you get there and once Dana White someday wraps that title around your waist, it's going to be much more sweeter 
overall because the road was less yeah, traveled, so much more difficult to get there because you've had to learn, you, you've had to have learned so much about yourself through all of this more so than other guys who've had more of a faster track to the gold. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Once you rock about around my waist, it's, it's going to be like a dream come, come, come true. You know what I mean? And to prove to other people you can be yourself and, and still achieve greatness. You know what I mean? That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm being myself. I'm, I'm doing me and I'm still, I'm still winning. I'm still achieving um, greatness. You know what I mean? And you don't have to like put on like one big act to, to, to be to achieve um, much in MMA. So, um, yeah, that's part of my story, really, just to show others that be yourself, do you, and keep winning. And they can't deny winners. So just keep doing your thing. Yeah. So when the Leon Edwards movie comes out about you getting to the title finally, it's going to be a great story overall. It's not just you getting in there, winning the belt, and defending it. Like you had to climb some hurdles to get there, man. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I, I love. I love it. I, I embrace my journey. At the start, I was like, kind of like, oh, why not me? Blah blah blah. But now I've I have grown to love my journey and to appreciate it for what what, what I am doing. And um, I'm 28 years old. I'm still young. And uh, everyone above me, is like in the phase, 35, 36, 34. I'm 28. I'm young, and I'm I keep doing my thing and keep winning. You're obviously a very patient man to 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 act like this and be very respectful <laughs> like this. It's hard. I bet, right? It's hard, but like I said, I, I I got faith in myself, and I know I'll, I'll be a world champion. You know what I mean? So, is what it is. Have you always been that way? Have you always been like a really patient guy? Um, not really, not really. But I think it would. Like my career fucking forced me into it. <laughs> uh, I'm mean, impatient and just like just learning through life, right? You have to you have to be patient to 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 get to you, and you can't rush you, rush you fall over. That's, that's what mom told me. So if you, if you rush your trip, so it's all good. There do you do go. keep. Well said, Leon. I appreciate the time very much. Enjoy watching the fights on Saturday. I know it's going to be kind of bittersweet for you, but maybe you'll be uh, scouting your next opponent maybe in September or, or whenever. So I hope you get that shot, man. Honestly, like you deserve it. It's definitely an unfortunate situation that Leon Edwards is in, but like he said, he's been growing, going to continue to grow from everything that's going on. I think he's handling it all pretty damn well and in stride, and he believes his time to fight for the belt will come and you know he may need one more win to get him there and he understands that but personally i think the road might be a little bit longer i think if uzman wins it'll be a little bit shorter but if mazadal wins could be a while honestly before leon edwards fights for the belt unless he can somehow convince mazadal that that's a big money fight but just an interesting spot for him. So big thank you to Leon Rocky Edwards for joining the show and for the kind words throughout that conversation. We're going to stick in the European section of the globe right now because joining us is the former Cage Warriors light heavyweight champion, Modestus Bukaskis. Now he signed with the UFC several months ago and on Wednesday, he will make his UFC debut against Andreas Michalaitis who's a newcomer from Greece, and I don't know if I pronounced that name right or not. I feel, I feel like I did. I'm pretty good with these pronunciations, but I could be wrong, and if I am, you'll probably t tell me that I'm wrong anyways. But again, just to, just to preface this whole thing, we did have this conversation last Friday. Modestus was still scheduled to fight Venetius Marrera on Fight Island, but as Max Holloway always says, it is what it is. So let's get to that chat with Modestus Bukaskis right now. All right, we have the former Cage Warriors light heavyweight champion, Modestus Bukaskis, joining the show. He will make his UFC debut on July 15th, taking on Venetius Marrera. It is on the Fight Island, Modestus. How are you? Yeah, doing very well, thank you, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You and I, we've been having these chats for a little while now, 
wondering when this call from the UFC would come your way. It has finally come for you. But from what I understand, the call actually came a while ago, right? Before all the, the COVID chaos began? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, it's it funny because not to say that it was like a, an extremely stressful time, but, you know, there was, there was a point where, we, you know, me and my manager were trying to figure out, you know, what was next because, you know, uh, we thought that we may potentially get on last minute on the Copenhagen card uh, just because, you know, they were looking at Hamlet so strongly to be on that card that I sort of, you know, nipped in the bud and took to, you know, took that spot. So, uh, you know, we thought that I might be able to get on that. And then when that didn't happen, that's when we defended the title. And then when we defended the title, uh, it was sort of like up in the air. Like, do we want to fight in Cage Warriors again? Like, you know, what's going to happen next? And what would be the best route towards the UFC? And, you know, initially... I had loads of talks with my manager. We were actually thinking to go to the contender series. Uh, that was like the the, the main thing because we're thinking, well, that's like the the straight route now. You know what I mean? Like defending a title won't really do much for my for my stock as opposed to you know you go into contender series and press there. And then uh, yeah, obviously you know he had he had talks with the matchmakers and and, and stuff like that. And then uh, yeah, I work like I literally you know if. I drink a lot of water, you know, about six liters a day, you know, you know how it goes. And the next thing you know, I'm waking up in the middle of the night to take a pee. And then, uh, yeah, I, I look at my phone, it's like three in the morning and I see I've had like five missed calls from my manager. And usually he doesn't call me unless there's something like really important. But again, I had no, I literally had no thought that he could possibly say anything to do with the UFC. I thought, oh, okay, he might need some information or whatever. Like, I was completely clueless. And then next thing you know, he goes, how are you doing? I'm like, ah. Oh. Three in the morning, you know, I've been all right, a bit sore from training, this and that, you know, me being a bit of a Debbie Downer, as it were. And then uh, next thing you know, he goes, Modestus, how do you feel about fighting in the UFC? And I was, I like, literally, my face just dropped. I was like, I mean, are you for real? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm, 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 I must have said, like, wow, probably about, you know, for like the next seven minutes, I was literally speechless. So, yeah, and that happened like pretty much just a bit just at the beginning of the year so on like the 5th of Jan or something 6th of Jan or something and then uh on and then we finally announced it properly on the on the 16th of January so um yeah man it, it, so it was already known I mean there was a lot of talks as well that you know uh, a lot of people were, were messaging me saying oh you're going to be on the London card and this and that and to be honest that wasn't their decision I already knew ages ago that I would not be fighting on that unless it was like a, again a last minute thing um, but they were they were sort of planning something for for the summer. So then after that, I got signed for a fight on May 16th against uh, against Vinicius Moreira, um, and it was in San Diego. It would have been you know like like I say my my American debut, which I was very excited for and stuff like that. And then next thing you know, just as we signed the contracts, everything was going through this whole bloody pandemic situation came about and then you know that stuff that that sort of uh uh that whole thing happening but at the end of the day you couldn't really ask for much of a better replacement than Yars Island in Abu Dhabi for a debut on a historic event where you know he literally had to go completely out of the way to be able to make it happen so you know you've got to give massive credit to Dana White the big boss for you know persevering and overcoming these these terrible situations but yeah it's crazy to be finally in the UFC and uh, like I say I'm ready to show the world what I'm made of. Yeah, I'd heard I I heard Venetius was sort of always the 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 debut opponent. I'd heard a lot of different dates. I even heard that the the Brasilia card was was a possibility to have this fight or sometime in March. I, I don't know. Was, was the May 16th one like the first real date that came your way? Yeah, that that was the first date. Like I remember uh, my manager then he mess he messaged me uh, and he said, uh, "Yeah, so it's been confirmed May 16th." That was literally the only date that I heard of. I mean, 
to, to be honest, like I said, there was a bit of speculation. I thought, you know, maybe April, maybe May, like, like, you know, I didn't, I had no idea, but that was the only day that I had pretty much been, been, uh, had been communicated to me. Yeah. Cause we've seen, and you're, you're kind of in a different situation. I think you and like Manel Cape are like two guys that are in totally different situations than everybody else. Cause we've seen so many, so many fighters get the call over the years. And, you know, even over the last couple of months, they get short notice fights for like a month later, a couple of weeks. And we've seen recently, even like a couple of days, yours has been quite different. You know, what has that been like for you to, to get that call, put pen to paper on a USC contract, but then have to wait it out for so long for the actual debut to happen? I'm actually very glad that I got signed the way I did. And at the time that I did, because I mean, really, you couldn't <laughs> have asked for any better timing than that. Right. As the pandemic was going on, you know, there was a load of uncertainty about a contender series even happening and this and that. So, uh, you know, to, to get signed, I mean, listen, from what I've, from what I know, like there's only about five guys that got signed the way I did last year. I mean, the rest of them were from, from the contender series. And this year, I mean, you know, apart from, uh, another uh, like heavyweight guy and obviously Manuel Cape and, and, and stuff like that. I like, you know, you don't hear of many guys getting just signed, just, you know, out the blue, uh, to, to a contract. Like I said, like you said, you know, most of them get signed last minute and that's what, you know, really it's always sort of expected now. Like, you know, if, if there's a last minute call up, that's where that's the, the prime time for guys to get signed all the contender series. So, you know, to get signed like that, you know, shows that, you know, like I say, I, I feel very privileged and, and, and honored that I got signed like that because it shows that they do have interest in me and they, you know, they've been what, I mean, listen, I saw that, you know, uh, Mick Maynard, you know, shout out to him. He, he, he reposted my finish from night of champions on his personal page. So already from there, I knew that they were probably looking at me and stuff. And, you know, obviously I didn't want to get my hopes too high, but I was like, listen, we're going in the right direction. We know what's coming up next. So, I mean, and listen, at the end of the day, the fact that, I knew that it was going to happen at some point. I was just very happy. Even my dad was very happy that we just had more time to improve. The longer they leave it, the worse it gets for these guys. You know, a lot of times you see a lot of fighters stay stagnant. They don't improve. They don't level up. And I feel like I'm leveling up every single time. Doesn't matter how, like, I always find different ways to sort of level up and get better. And like I say, as time goes on, it just gets even worse for everybody. So uh, I'm, I'm actually very thankful that I've had, you know, even an extended amount of time to fully prepare, get more, uh, you know, get more in, in, in my skill set, in my cardio and, you know, work on myself. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, Listen, when you're when you're in the UFC and then, you know, like like the fight comes about, there's always that excitement. And, you know, like I say, you've always got that inspiration because now you're, you're there and there's no worry of, uh, you know, like I still need to get signed. It's like I'm already signed. That's fine. I know it will come. It's just all in good timing. I think it's just keeping a keeping a good outlook, a good positive mindset. And uh, yeah, like I say, when 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 you're signing, you know, even people talking and, you know, this or that, it just it just keeps you in, in, in good graces. And yeah, like I say, I'm very thankful for being given the opportunity so early in the year. I was going to say, if there's one fighter who's going to use this extra time to their advantage, it was going to be you. How have you sort of navigated the waters in your neck of the woods with the pandemic and everything? Has it been, I don't know what the restrictions were like mm -hmm. over there. Were you still able to, I'm sure you were able to find ways, however you can do it to get working. But what has that been like for you as you're trying to get ready and, and improve your skill set? Well, at the end of the day, I'm again, I'm very blessed to have a lot of a lot of amazing opportunities set in front of me. Like, you know, my dad built a gym about two years. I think it must have been over two years ago now. Um, 
uh, in my back garden we used to have this old like flimsy summer house you know with the walls basically every time the wind blew like you're afraid it's going to like topple over and you know ne- next thing you know you know we build like a proper like legitimate gym you know noise cancelled and and all and, and all that kind of stuff and then your head coach is living in the in the room right next to you, you when you add those two together i mean that's really a combination for you're never going to be able to stop training even if you really wanted to. Do you know what I mean? And like I said, my dad never really has to like push me any or anything like that. Like I, I want this and, you know, he wants me to want this as well. But, you know, it's good. We can collaborate on training uh, whenever we're doing like nothing really much changed because we always train every day. We always do strength and conditioning whenever we need to. So, you know, and I was able to drill a lot more with my dad. I mean, you know, like I say, it, I know it will get to a point where he can't do all these movements anymore. But, you know, the fact that he's been, you know, putting himself on the line just to help me is is absolutely amazing, which is why, obviously, I want to go out and make him proud and then, you know, be able to help him out, um, you know, as, 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 as time goes on. But, uh, yeah, at the beginning, I, I, like, you know, the sessions where I'd have, like, those skill-based sessions – um, either I'll drill a little bit more my, with my dad or I'll go and run. So really I was just building up the gas tank, building up the cardio, uh, getting it ready to be able, like I said, we're ready to go five rounds. I mean, I know I'm only going three rounds now, but I, you know, I want to be able to go and really put the pace on people. Um, and then as you know, restrictions lowered and sort of bending the rules a little bit, I guess you could say, uh, you know, I bought I, like the, the good thing is when you've got a gym at home, you can just bring training partners to your house. So, you know, I've got the training, uh, training partners down to my house. We're able to train. We're, like so really in this pandemic nothing's changed it's actually if, if anything it's been even better because uh in normal sessions like you know when you go like your jiu-jitsu you're wrestling and this and that you're at the helm of the coach like the coach sort of navigates what you're going to be training what you're going to be doing and, and at the end of the day it's absolutely amazing because it's it's a skill building sort of uh, uh those are skill building sessions you're sort of improving your overall knowledge but it's not necessarily specific to what i want to sort of learn or if i want to go over something so um I was then able to like, you know, have every, everything's now been a lot more specific to me. Guys, are, this is why I'm very grateful and very thankful for all my training partners. They're doing everything they can possible just to make me better. And obviously, you know, through them trying to make me better and then makes them better. So overall, it's just a collective, uh, you know, a team effort. Do you know what I'm saying? So like I said, everything being more specific to me means that I feel like my skill set has really evolved in those areas where I felt I was weaker. So, um, you know, being able to do that and, and drill more and go over the moves that I wasn't able to go to before. I mean, like I said, if anything, I think the quarantine has made my, you know, has altered my training in, in a positive way as opposed to a negative where, you know, maybe other fighters haven't been, you know, had access to those facilities or anything like that. So, yeah, man, like I say, and as restrictions lowered now, like I say, it's, 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 it's the best trainer I could possibly have. Does it feel like... You're a UFC fighter right now, all things considered, or do you have to make that walk and, and sort of get that first one out of the way before that feels real to you? Mm, well, listen, I've, I've been visualizing that moment, you know, for ages. Like, if you can imagine, you've got all these months to even think about it, to even, like, see it happening. But, like, it's good because I like to I like to see the arena. I like to, like, you know, on pictures at least, so that when I'm, like, you know, sitting there and thinking about it in my head, I can see it all perfectly and, and, and clearly. But, yeah, now, mate, I've, I've always been... I've always been feeling like I've been like for the last five months, I've been feeling like I've been walking to the cage like every single day with them UFC gloves, the Reebok stuff. And, 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 you know, so I think the more you get climatized it into your mind that at the end of the day, this is just now, this is where I want it to be. Like the fact that this is what I believe to be my next natural progression, my next step. And this is where I felt like this is where my career would really start going. Like this is where, 
like all the exciting stuff happens. This is where you can really make good money. This is where you can really like make a name for yourself. I was excited for that. This is not like this is now where the career really begins. Everything leading up to that was just to get to this point, and now it's the right really make an impact. This is where you can do it because it's the biggest bloody you know fighting organization in the world. So you can't really ask for better. So you know, I, I, as soon as I got signed, and I fe- like obviously it felt surreal at, at, at the beginning, but now I'm like, well, this is I'm, this is what I've been wanting this whole time. So at the end of the day, I embrace pressure, I embrace crazy situations. So when I know when I strap up them gloves and I'm walking out to the cage, this is it. This is my life. This is what I've been wanting. So I, I enjoy it. I embrace it, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to go and put on a show. It's a good thing you embrace the crazy because this is exactly what's happening for you in your <laughs> debut. And I'm curious because. I know how it works here in the States for the American fighters. Like the fight Island travel has been laid out pretty specifically. Like they're going to fly to Las Vegas in the next couple of days. They're going to get tested, quarantined for 48 hours. Then they're going to hop on a charter to Abu Dhabi, get tested again. And then more things are put in place to make sure everyone is safe as possible. What is that like for you? Like, how is that going to work? Like what's sort of the, the checkpoint for you? And then what happens from there? It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same as for the American fighters, except uh, I believe all of the fighters are from similar areas. So, you know, all the guys from Britain will be leaving from one airport. All the guys from Brazil are going to be leaving from one airport. All the guys from Russia are going to be leaving from one. So everyone's going to be leaving. I think there's four main hub cities that they're all leaving from. And obviously my one's going to be London. I'm lucky I'm, I'm the closest one to the airport. I think I'm like a 20 minute drive from the airport, which is <laughs> nice. Uh, but I think like all the other fighters are from Liverpool and, and you know, up north. So, um, yeah, I know it's going to be a bit, bit and from Wales and stuff like that. So I know that's going to be a bit more of a, a long journey for those guys. But yeah, it's exactly the same. We have to be uh, 48 hours we have, before we fly. We have to arrive to get COVID tested, wait for our results. You know, uh, you go on the plane by charter, you get over there, you get tested again, you have to be quarantined. Like, they're taking this stuff seriously. I mean, there was a lot of speculation about, oh, how how is it going to work? Are guys going to be tested? Is this dangerous? And this and that. And then at the end of the day, they've been doing an absolutely amazing job. The first time they were trying to just feel the waters and see how it would go. And now they put a proper system in place. So, you know, like like I say, I, I couldn't be happy with the way that the UFC is organized. They're doing it very professionally, as you'd expect from you know a multi probably billion dollar company do you know what i mean they're they're doing everything right they're doing everything in their power to make sure ensure the safety of their fighters which is absolutely amazing like i said couldn't really ask for better is there much of a time difference between where you're at now to the time in abu dhabi like in the states it's like six or seven hours ahead so in comparison <laughs> while these fights would happen at like 10 10 a.m eastern time for a lot of these east coast fighters they're going to be kicking off these cards at like 3 a.m. Eastern time in in the United States over in Abu Dhabi. Like, is there much of a time difference for you? Yeah. So from what I understand, it's three out. So they're three hours ahead of us, like in just general time. So, uh, and obviously they've had to cater the uh, the Abu Dhabi time frame to American fans. So from what I from what I understand, the 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 shows will be starting at like. 7 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. on the Wednesday, but we're actually going to be fighting on the Thursday. So it'd already be Thursday. So it's like, right. uh, I think my, from from my fight should be probably around 2 a.m. Uh, in the morning UK time, which means that in Abu Dhabi, it'll be around 5 a.m. 
I mean, that's going to be a whole other experience in itself. Just <laughs> bloody fighting at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, you know, like I think the time difference in terms of having three hours is really not going to make that much of a difference. I don't think jet lag's going to even really play a part in it. But obviously, I'm going to have to climatize myself to getting up and ready to go at four o'clock, ready to go in and do the business. So, you know, obviously, there's going to be a bit of, you know, climatization in terms of, you know, time frame of when the fight is going to be because I'm usually, you know, I've been used to fighting at 11 o'clock at night and, and stuff like that, especially my last couple of fights. But now it's going to be, you know, five <laughs> o'clock in the morning. So I know it's going to be a bit of a crazy, and even the weigh-ins are going to be later. So you know, to to cater to that, so everything's going to be a little bit different. So sort of, I guess you could say a little bit chaotic, but in in a good way. So not, it's nice to have an experience where things are a little bit different. Cause like I said, it, it's going to be remembered. It's going to, this whole event is going to be remembered when you look back in the history book. So, um, yeah, to go out and make an absolute statement and do it with spectacular fashion is exactly what I'm going to go out there and do. I'm curious, Modestus, because we're all hearing about this majestic, mysterious fight Island. And all of us are imagining beaches and tiki torches and Hawaiian shirts and sunglasses and like, you know, suntan lotion on the nose. Turns out it's, it's Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. And I'm sure you're pumped. And I know you're excited to be part of like a historical series of events here, but were you like, Hmm, this is, this is not as cool as I expected it to be. This, I, I thought we were going to see something like old school bodog fights. I mean, listen, I don't know if you saw the, like the, the videos that they released by Dana White of the, uh, just like the construction of Yars Island and stuff like that. I mean, listen, it looks pretty damn cool. Like yeah, everything right. that, that they're doing, all the infrastructure that they're doing themselves, they've all built it from scratch. They made like a massive arena for it and everything. Like it's absolutely amazing. I mean, yes, of course, the fantasy type deal is, oh, it's on a beach, you know, uh, like, 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 like you said, like, you know, with a whole sort. But in reality, like, yeah, you think of it like that. And yeah, it sounds like really good on paper. But when you think of it from a industrial sort of standpoint, you're thinking, well, how are they going to, you know, in 40 degree heat, how the hell are they going to put the, you know, uh, make it so that, uh, that the temperature is not too bad? How are they going to do it to, you know, on a remote island, be able to build everything from scratch? Clearly, they needed to have some sort of infrastructure already there so they can sort of just build upon that. So there's a lot of things. Obviously, it sounded really amazing, you know, just to sort of dream about it and stuff like that. And then. <laughs> But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you sort of got to look at things, I guess, I, I guess, realistically. I think at the beginning, everyone's like, oh, th this is going to be. But I think it's still just as cool. I mean, listen, the fact that he's renting out that particular space, which is still secluded from everywhere else. He's building external stuff on top of it just to cater to the fighters themselves is absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, like I said, there's not many bosses in the world that would like literally go that extra mile just to get international fight, even flying by charter flights. of freaking that's a win in my book do you know what i mean like it's not many people that get to go on a charter flight so there's a lot of um yeah there's a lot of positives there i mean yes it would have been great you know like 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 i said like you know like them old computer games that you got for like i don't know like tekken or mortal Kombat. like imagine like there's like a cage like right there by the by, by the beach and everything it's like you know it's like you feel like you're in a computer game almost like like you know um like the old, like, what was it? Tekken tag team tournament or something like, do you know what I mean? Like it would feel like that. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm very happy with how everything still managed to turn out. And like I said, I can only imagine what it's going to be like whenever all everything gets released. Like now we're only like pretty, pretty much almost a week out from, from their first event. So I'm very curious to see what the whole thing will look like whenever, uh, you know, everything gets done. So 
I mean, either way, your Octagon debut is coming up on July 15th, whether it's on Fight Island or Treasure Island or Fantasy Island, and you're taking on a, a really tough guy in Venetius Marrera. How does this, uh, how do you see this thing all playing out? How do you in, sort of envision it in your mind? I envision uh, a very, a very aggressive and, and um, a very vicious performance on my behalf. Um, I feel that the sort of mindset I've taken, the training that I've done, the, the work that I've put in and the mindset that I have, you know, to help my family and, you know, and do things like that. It just gives me that extra inspiration. Like now I've, I've come out with a new mindset of just being able to embrace those crazy chaotic situations, the pressure situations, the ones that are supposed to make you scared. The ones that like, you know, even being on a TV show and doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the stuff that, you know, people would not want to do. And for me to really come out of my show and really show who I am, like, I think all these experiences that I've had are just leading for me to, to be able to show it even more in the cage. And this is, this is a very tough opponent. It's good on paper. Um, you know, he, he, he's very tough. So it looked good for me to go out and really put on a show. So I feel that I'm going to severely hurt him from stand up and and just really dishearten him the fact that he won't be able to take me down you know i predict i'm going to knock him out and um i'm looking to knock him out in the first round listen you know you don't know how fight is going to go obviously you need to keep calm and keep doing it but listen i'm going to land those shots and when they do they're going to hurt so uh that's what i predict for the fight so you you alluded to it because a couple of interviews ago we talked about your appearance on take me out uk it's a it's a dating show and you know, you weren't able to find a love connection there. However, it seems like you may have found yourself a match since then. Did uh, did Cupid finally fire his arrow in your direction, Modestus? Like very unexpectedly, once again. <laughs> I mean, this is just how it goes with me. Everything just comes out unexpectedly. Do you know what I mean? And but I'm glad it, it sort of happens. Like, I think that's the best way that it happens when when you're not really searching for it. Like I say, I was just. Listen, mate, I was enjoying the single life. I, I was doing what I was doing, you know, um, and at the end of the day, it, like, you know, it just came about out of nowhere, you know, um, added me on, on on Instagram, liked a couple, you know how it goes, liked a couple of photos, you like them back, you start messaging each other and then this, that. And the next thing you know, we just get on a, like a house on fire. She's like, she really, truly cares about what I do. And like, you know, like I say, so everyone's trying to find their D Devlin, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, how, how much she supported Conor McGregor through all those times. And, you know, like I say, she's done a hell of a lot, even just for me, just leading up to even just knowing that I had a fight and stuff like that. So, you know, um, I think, you know, there was a lot of things that a lot of qualities that she had that I've never really found in a girl. And like I said, it was, it was usually me sort of um, just going out and just see, seeing like loads of different people and stuff like that and just sort of just making connections. But with her, we made a bit of a stronger connection. And uh, yeah, I'm very thankful and happy and, and grateful because, uh, yeah, like it's, it's been a, it's been an absolute blessing and it, it makes me more focused and um, it gives me more things to be excited about. And it just makes life in general, uh, you know, like like a lot more, a lot more, you know, it just makes things, you know, in the future, you're looking for it with the fighting, with her and stuff like that, just to, you know, sort of all come together. And like I said, I can't wait for all that. Um, and she understands that fighting comes first. So, you know, as much as, uh, you know, obviously I love spending time with her, you know, I've got, I've got to say sorry to her, you know, at the end of the day, I'll, but she understands I've got to go and I've got to go and train. I've got to go do what I've got to do. I've got to go and do the business. So, you know, I'm grateful that she does because no other girl's done that before. But, uh, yeah, listen, we're going to make everyone even more proud when we go and whoop this dude on the July 15th. That's amazing. So that, that meet cute moment that we discussed 
a couple of times ago where you walking on the street and drop something on the ground and you uh, suddenly lock eyes. That didn't happen. This was a, a social media connection. Yeah, I guess locked eyes on the social media front, maybe. <laughs> yeah. there, 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 there was a couple of video and Zoom calls that maybe that might have happened. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it all worked out well, man. And you guys discovered, uh, well, you discovered beer pong. Did I see that? Is that accurate? You're uh, you're, you're now a future future beer pong but, heavyweight champion? Yeah, I mean, listen, fi- fi- yeah, I'm, I've got the beer pong travel jacket and everything, mate. <laughs> That's it. We're, 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 we're making moves on that scene as well. Do you know what I mean? I mean, listen, they always say you can't just have one income revenue stream. So, you know, I'm building towards that where we're getting the skill set up in every area. The hand-eye coordination is top-notch, mate. Now, I mean, listen, I, I went to go and hang out with her and stuff like that. And, you know, for me, it was hydration pong or more like pass all the beers to my girlfriend and me, me, me do the skill work. She does the drinking work. So <laughs> either way, we, we, we made a very good system. It seemed to work very well. Because uh, obviously everyone else's accuracy seemed to diminish over time, whereas mine just continued to steadily keep getting better. So, uh, yeah, um, like I say, finding all sorts of crazy new skills over this quarantine. Um, and like I say, even more of my skills that's going to be shown on uh, on fight nights. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I can't wait. All these changes in your life since we last spoke, Modestas. Look at you. You're off the market, future beer pong world champion, future UFC champion. Things are happening very quickly, are they not? Oh yeah, mate. I've got. To, I've got to say, you must be some sort of good luck charm. Every time I've been speaking <laughs> to you before and after all the, all the interviews and everything, listen. Now you've got an amazing, uh, amazing work in the MMA fighting.com, which I've got to give you massive crack. congratulations for. Definitely well deserved. So see, as you're rising up, I'm rising up, mate. We're just going to keep rising up to the top together. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's big thing coming for both of us, and um, yeah, like, like I say, I'm just, I'm just ready for this this the this whole journey. So. Um, yeah, everything's been going well, but um, yeah, now we're going to make it so things are going to go even better. Congratulations on all of them, Modesta. I mean, very happy for you to get this call to the UFC. It's well-deserved. Excited for the matchup. Excited for this whole card. I mean, you're sharing a card. You got Calvin Cater versus Danny Ige in the headliner spot. You get to set the table for those guys. It's a really good fight card. All the best to you in the fight and safe travels to Abu Dhabi, man. We'll talk soon. Oh, thank you so much, my friend. Really thank you for having me on and everything. And uh, yeah, like I said, I can't wait to put on a show for you on, on the night. That guy really is one of the nicest guys in the sport. But when he gets in that cage and that door's lo- and that door locks, man's a killer. Modestas Bukowski is joining us ahead of his UFC debut this coming Wednesday night on Fight Island. Another competitor on Fight Island, Grant Dawson. This kid has a bright future in the UFC. I've been interviewing him since he was around 20 years old on the regional scene, and he looks now to make it 4-0 in the UFC next Saturday night, July 18th. is going to take on the very tough and very exciting Nad Naramani. Here's my chat with the prophet himself, Grant Dawson. All right, we have Grant Dawson on the show. He returns to action on Fight Island, July 18th. Going to take on Nad Naramani in a fun one at 145 pounds. Grant, good to see you, man. It's been a minute. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me back on the show. Absolutely. So what do you think, man? Fight Island, the, the, the profits going international here. How excited are you to fight outside the U.S. in this very unique situation? Oh, man, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh I haven't fought outside the country before. I've been outside the country for fights, just not my own. So uh, I'm actually really excited about this. I'm excited about the challenges with the the flight, making weight, um, the heat. And then we're fighting at like three in the morning uh, there. So 
a lot of challenges going to this one, but that just makes it easier for me because I, I know I'm tough enough to hang with these, and uh, we're going to find out if he is. This is a pretty interesting matchup you've got, and I know you're not one to shy away from any challenge or any fight, but you did the media rounds after your last fight, and you were hoping there would be a chance that you could get a fight with Darren Elkins, and he just had that crazy fight with Nate Landwehr a couple weeks ago. Were you were you close to getting that Elkins fight? Was that ever presented to you? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, it, it was never presented to me. It wasn't on my table, um, so uh, it wasn't a time or a wait kind of thing, but... Uh, you know, he, he, he just had that fight with uh, Nate, whatever his name is, and, and that guy's terrible, uh, completely awful. So the fact that he lost, uh, lost that fight, he, he's no longer in my, uh, my line of sight. I'm going to beat Nad, and then, and then we're looking at top 15 guys after that. Did you, did you watch that fight? How did, how did you score? Because a lot of people did score for Darren, um, but Nate ended up getting the win. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have to score that fight. Uh, Nate is so bad. You, you shouldn't be going to a decision with him. Um, he, he's awful. Uh, there's no reason to go to the scorecards. If you go to a scorecards, you lose no matter what. So uh, Elkins is off my list. Um, you know, Nate is one and one in the UFC, so I'm not even going to bother with him. Uh, Nat is, is a good opponent. He's tough. He's durable. Uh, he's got more experience. Than, uh, than most of the guys in the UFC that I fought. So uh, we're focusing on him, and then afterward, we're going to go for the top 15. All right, last question on Nate, because when you when you come out and you say that a fighter's awful, I have to know why you feel he is awful. So why wh why do you have that feeling about Nate? Man, he's he's a clown, dog. He, he He's a loser and a clown, and, and, I mean, his nickname is The Train. Like, he couldn't think of something better than The Train. Uh, I, he He's just... He goes out there, no technique. He swings for the fences, and he says stupid stuff with his stupid haircut. Um, he looks like he's 14 and 30 at the same time. Uh, give, give that guy to my boy Woodson. Um, he'll put a, he'll put a stop to his hype real fast. So you know, Nate sucks. Darren's kind of kind of losing it as a as a fighter. So we're moving on to bigger and better things. How is Sean doing? Because Sean's one of your teammates now, and Jason Witt's one of your teammates, and they both were in you know, really uncomfortable situations. Like Sean took a, took a fight on short notice with a guy like Julian Rosa, a guy that you had fought in the past and got a, got a nice win over. And then Jason, we didn't even know, even like leading into the fight, they pushed his fight back to the main card because they didn't even know if he, he would even be cleared. So it was a crazy situation for both those guys. How are they doing after Saturday night? Uh, good man. They've both got championship mentalities. They're both, uh, champions on the inside. Like, uh, it hurts. It's rough, but they'll deal with it and they'll move on. You know, when we're talking about Woodson, I believe that he was up two to zero. You could have had it one to one. And then he, he dropped Julian, uh, in the third, he was very clearly on his way to winning a decision and, and he got caught, man. Uh, it's really hard to see this about Julian, but I fought him. I'm, I've been in there with him and I know he's, you, you can't, what am I trying to say here? You can't see what he has to offer. Like you have to feel it, man. He's scrappy. He's tough. He does not get tired and he's got some really good jujitsu. He almost caught me in a triangle, uh, in the first like minute of our fight. So he's slick, man. He, he got, he got lucky with that Dars or I, I shouldn't say luck. I shouldn't say luck. He, he set up that Dars really nice. And, and Sean just got caught. It was a crazy fight. Um, I think they were on their way to fight of the night, if not for a hooker and uh, Poirier. But, uh, you know, man, it, it 
it is what it is. And then Jason Witt, what a savage. He took the fight <laughs> right. on, on two days' notice. He gets on a plane. A fun story about that. They said, hey, we don't know if you have a fight, but if you get on the plane and go to Vegas right now, you might, might be able to fight. He calls his wife. He says, hey, get me a to-go bag. I got to go get blood work done, and then I'm getting my bag, and I'm going to Vegas. Doesn't even tell her why. Walks in, kisses her, grabs the bag, leaves. She ends up calling like our manager to figure out what was going on. The clothes on his back, gets there, deals with medicals all day, uh, doesn't know that he's fighting until he's ready to walk out. Like They're like, okay, you're good. Your medicals came back. You can fight. What a savage. Uh, he got caught, and I'm, I'm really, really excited to see uh, where his career goes from here because the dude is definitely uh, UFC material, championship mentality. Uh, I, I'm really excited for him. Yeah, not not the ideal way to get in the UFC, but if there's any guy that's deserved that call, Jason Wade is, is definitely that guy, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, man. He's been grinding. Uh, he, he's, he's I think, 18 and, and 5 or something like that. He's fought so many guys. He's fought for Bellator. He's fought for pretty much any show, uh, uh, any major show that you can think of, he's fought for him. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's flown out of the country to fight guys that he's supposed to lose to and beaten them and came back. Like, uh, he's a savage and I, and I'm really, really happy for him, you know? Um, but the next guy we got to get in is my man, Kevin Kroom. He's my main teammate, my main training partner. He's fought everybody with a name. Uh, he's beaten two guys that are currently in the UFC so uh, we need to we need to get him into the UFC now. He can make weight on a week's notice. He's so disciplined. He's, his medicals are done. He's next. He's fighting on the Contender Series, right? No, uh, he he's fighting for FAC. He's actually fighting for oh. the FAC title. But you know, Contender Series, short notice, whatever it takes, he'll be ready to go. Uh, he's on a three a three or two two or three fight win streak uh, in Bellator and then FAC, which are two big shows. I really think that he's next, man. Uh, he He's so tough. He's so durable. Uh, he's so disciplined. He, he's next. He deserves to be next. And I'm tired of getting my ass kicked by somebody who's not in the UFC. <laughs> and uh, you do. You guys do have one guy that's booked for a contender series, right? I forget. Mike. Mike. Uh, Breeden. 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 Yeah, yep. he's fighting Anthony Romero. That's right. That's, that's yep. a done deal. We, so that'll we be actually, fun, too. Yeah, we actually have two guys. Uh, Mike Breeden and then Jeff Molina. And if you don't know who Jeff Molina is, he's a flyweight and uh, he's already a better striker than 99% of that roster. And uh, he's a young, he's 23, uh, 20, 22, 23. And uh, he's one of the best strikers in the gym. He's so exciting. Uh, he's got his own little like TJ Dillashaw type style. He's going to be big, man. Uh, he, he's uh, he, he's going to be huge. You know, and Mikey is so exciting, hits hard. I think that he's going to be a contender at 155, but. Jeff Molina, he—he's a savage, bro. He's a—he's uh, definitely up there with those guys. Well, a lot to be excited about over at Glory MMA. And next up is you against Nad Naramani, and uh, he lost his last fight to Mike Grundy. But prior to that, won five in a row, won his first two fights in the UFC. When you saw his name on the other side of the contract, what, what, how did you react to that? Uh, I knew who he was. I was—I—I uh, I watched so much film; it's ridiculous. I know pretty much everybody that's in. Uh, my weight class. And uh, if I don't, haven't seen them, I've probably heard of them, but I knew who he was. Um, I, I was studying Mike Grundy just because uh, I wanted to, you know, I thought maybe me and his paths would, would uh, cross, but 
so I, I saw who he was, and when they, they brought the name, you know, I'm excited for these kind of matchups. You know, like you said, he was on a five- or six-fight win streak before that. Mike is a, is a stud, so losing to him really doesn't, you know, set you back. Uh, but it, I think this is going to be a good fight. I think that this has potential to be, you know, one of my best performances. Uh, I think he's durable. He's well-rounded everywhere. Uh, I'm going to have to bring my A game for this. But when, when the stakes are highest is when I do the best. So I'm excited for this. I assume James Krause will be out there with you, right? Like who else will be in your corner in a couple weeks' time? So we're actually leaving this Sunday because my teammate Tim Elliott is fighting. I'm going up to corner him, and then I'm fighting two days later. Or yeah, two days later on the 17th or the 18th or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it'll be me and James and we're going to be in Abu Dhabi for about 10 days. So that's going to suck. But Tim, Tim Elliott is such a wild man, like such a wild man. That fight with Brandon Rival is nuts. Absolutely insane. I mean, all of his fights are nuts, you know, enter, (laughs) enter fight here. The guy's a savage. Um, it's been really great having him back. He's been in Vegas, uh, for the last couple of years and, and now he's back and it's been really great having him back because just like the, the, uh, mentality that he brings you know the the unique uh the uniqueness it's so much fun the energy is great he's funny he's probably one of the funniest dudes on the team uh and he always knows when to chipe in and and make everybody laugh like it's really great having him back have you been enjoying watching all the fights in the empty arena like seeing how everything looks feels and I, i think the most fascinating part about it is the way everything sounds in there have you been enjoying watching that and kind of imagining yourself in that situation as well yeah, uh, fights are fights, man. I'm just so happy to have entertainment back, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm not really big on football. I'm not really big on baseball. I like watching wrestling, uh, like college wrestling, not like pro wrestling. I like watching <laughs> wrestling, and I like watching MMA. And so those, those two sports are back, and, and it's great to have both of them and have some entertainment, you know. Uh, as for the, the getting ready for the empty arena, I fought on the contender series before the contender series was big now. Um, you know, so when I fought, there was like 50 people in the, uh, in the arena and nobody said a word, like everybody was quiet and respectful. Uh, so I have a a slight advantage in that sense of, you know, I've, I've been there with no fans, no audience, um, being able to hear my coaches and the commentators. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to get this going, man. I'm, I'm excited where everything is, and, and I'm just I'm ready to, to beat somebody's face in and, and show the world who I am. Yeah, it's, I think this is a perfect matchup because both of you guys are, are finishers. He's got a good amount of finishes. Most of them are by submission. You're very familiar with that as well. He does have the ability to finish the fight with his hands and on the feet as well. You've been there as well. What sorts of things does, does Nad bring to the table that I guess you'll be looking out for on July 18th? You know... <clears throat> I'm going to say this. Uh, I, I don't think that he's the best guy that I've fought, uh, but I do think he's the most well-rounded. I, I think he's, you know, uh, a B minus, you know, wrestler, a B minus jujitsu guy and a B minus striker. But if you add those all up, that makes you an A minus fighter. You know, I think he's well-rounded. I think that he's going to be looking to stuff my takedowns and strike with me. I haven't been able to show my striking in my fights and that's by choice. Uh, I do have striking. I can strike. I think I'll have some surprises for him, but it's only a matter of time until I get that takedown and I start trying to put an Xbox logo on his forehead. Um, I see myself 
beating him up in the first round and then finishing him round two. You have lots of goals and aspirations. Like you have this this timeline in place that you've had for a long time, like top 15 by the end of this year, top 10 by the end of next year, top five by the end of 2022. And then by the end of 2023, you got a title around your waist. How do we how do we take that next step towards accomplishing those goals July 18th against a, a really game opponent? You know, <clears throat> these goals, everything that you set, I believe in in goals and setting uh, your expectations high. But the number one thing that you have to remember is you got to beat the guy in front of you. Nobody wants to see the loser uh, at all. Nobody wants to see the loser. They only care about winners. And I'm in on that. Uh, I've got to beat Nad, and I don't just have to beat him. I have to finish him. Uh, that's what's going to separate me from everybody else in this in this talent stack division i am 15 and one with 14 finishes 14 of my wins are by finish if i get a finish over nat i'll be 16 and one with 15 finishes they're gonna have to give me a uh, a top 15 shot after that before you fight there's going to be a featherweight title fight between alex volkanovsky and max holloway and a lot of people think when they saw the matchup, they're like, eh, I don't really want to see it again. I don't think it's going to be any different than the first one. I'm actually very fascinated by this fight because I like to see what adjustments are being made between fights. But you being such a fight fan and a student of the game, how do you see that one playing out in the rematch on July 11th? <clears throat> Man, I, I see it going the same way. 49-46 uh, or 50-45 for Volkanovski. My, my issue with uh, Max is I feel like he doesn't have the want to change anything. Uh, if, if you look at his fight with Dustin, you know, he's hurt, he's rocked, and he refuses to take a shot. And I know that he's got good jiu-jitsu, and I know that he's got good wrestling, and he's got the cardio to support it, but he refuses to shoot. He refuses to fit in. Uh, he doesn't really throw knees. He doesn't really throw kicks. He, he's a very well-rounded fighter that chooses to be one-dimensional. And, and I just, you know, anytime that he started getting the upper hand against Volkanovsky, Volkanovsky would just fit in, put him against the cage, hold him for a couple of seconds and get that reset. You know, uh, the leg kicks were a really big, uh, really big factor in the first fight. And I just, I don't see, uh, Max, I don't want to say fixing his holes because he doesn't really have a whole lot of holes. He's really good everywhere. He just chooses not to use it. And, and that like Hawaiian toughness of go out on my shield, you know, we're, we're striking, we're, we're giving the people what they want. I think that's going to lead him right into the same exact decision. You know, I think he'll have a really close fight, but he's going to end up losing the tail end of every round and, and lose 50, 45 or 49, 46. One question that a lot of people have heading into this fight for you, Grant, is, is, is about the weight and you did miss in your last fight. You had no excuses for it. You said that I'm done talking about it. I need to do better and it's never going to happen again. So if you don't mind me asking, what's the weight looking like right now? Did you have to make any changes to, to get the weight down and get ready for this one? Yeah. So we, we, uh, we pretty much picked a date, uh, with no fight and decided that I was going to make weight on that date. Not literally, but we're acting like I'm going to fight on that date. So I started bringing my weight down and, uh, it got real low. And then we got uh, the date that we originally picked was the 15th of July. And so I was ready to make weight on the 15th and we got two extra days. So my weight's where it needs to be. 
Um, our bout is actually at a catch weight. And uh, the only reason it's at a catch weight is because of the pandemic, uh, the flight, everything that's going on. Um, but I can and I would absolutely be able to make 145 with no problem uh, on that date. Moving forward, we're going to keep our weight low uh, outside of camp, just like I did for my last fight to make sure that this never happens again. We're going to get a top 15 guy. I'm going to show up on time, on weight, and ready to scrap. Excited for you, man. The journey continues on Fight Island. I'm excited for it. Excited to see you back in there. And thank you for the time as always, Grant. I still have not watched The Mandalorian yet. I'm kicking myself. I know. I got so many things I have to watch. All you fighters are all over me for not watching The Mandalorian, The Last Dance, all of these things. But uh, all the best to you, man. Safe travels and uh, enjoy your time on Fight Island. There you have it. Another what the heck is in the books. And it has been a crazy week, ladies and gentlemen. Friday, we talked to Paul Felder about his career, about Fight Island, all four of these events. We broke down some of the big fights. That is on our YouTube page. Really enjoyed that conversation. In fact, that was the first time I've had the chance to to speak with Paul Felder. And he's been in the news quite a bit over the last 24 hours. I'm sure you guys all heard what happened there with, with the flight and being quarantined for precautionary reasons after sharing a flight with Dean Thomas, who tested positive for COVID-19. Michael Bisbing talked all about it on his Believe You Me podcast. And I did check in with Felder's manager yesterday and Paul did not test positive. He is quarantined. Not sure how long that quarantine is going to be, but Michael Bisbing had said that Felder is off all the broadcasts. I'm told that there's still some optimism that Paul Felder could call the cards on the 18th and the 25th, but that is up in the air. That's the hope. Not sure if it's going to happen, but either way, we wish Paul all the best because I know how excited he was to call these fights and and be part of the whole Fight Island thing because we may never see anything like this again in our sport. So all the best to the Irish Dragon. I spoke with Colby Covington on Monday. That's on our page as well. Always interesting to hear from Colby Covington and get his take on everything going on with the new main event and Everything going on at 170 is just, you know, you know what you're going to get from Colby. It's a great interview. Highly recommend you check that out. I reported on Tuesday that this coming Wednesday's card has added an exciting fight between Jimmy Rivera and Cody Stamen. Now, this fight's going to take place at 145, pairing off a couple of top 10 Bantamweights. So that should be a lot of fun. And I'm hoping to talk to both of those guys over the next couple of days and also I'm supposed to be chatting with tomorrow morning, as a matter of fact, another top 10 Bantamweight that we haven't heard from in a little bit of a while, in a little while. So stay tuned for that. UFC 251 and Fight Island coverage has been and will continue to be rampant over at MMAfighting.com. Weigh-in shows, all the scrums, virtually and in person. Our own Guillermo Cruz just crushing it out there, just running this crazy schedule. It's just unbelievable. My hat goes off to the Brazilian beast himself, Guillermo Cruz, but we'll have that throughout the next couple of weeks, getting you ready for all of these fight cards. We got Between the Links, we got the A-side, we got this show, just so much going on, I can't even keep track anymore, so stay tuned for all that stuff. And with that, we're done. Thank you to the guests. Thank you to all of you guys and gals watching the show. Thank you to Casey Lydon on the production, Esther Lynn on the graphics. The ranting is over, the show is done, and as always, have a heck of a week, everybody. Media Podcast Network.
Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.